Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is the Runner's World podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and me, Ben Hobson. Today, we're speaking to Stephen Crompton about his audacious attempt to run across Africa. Blimey. Oh, what a journey. Um, But before we get into that, Rick, how are you? Well, not quite as impressive as Stephen's running this, but I (laughs) have taken part in the the 2.6 challenge that we spoke about Mm. a couple of weeks ago and that a lot of people are doing, which is kind of in place of big events like the London Marathon and and an attempt to to use some of the figures around the events, the two and the six, Uh, to set up your own challenges so I roped in a couple of mates and I ran one third of a sub three marathon so that's eight eight point seven three miles in under an hour tell you what mate it's not easy (laughs) yeah I mean that's yeah that's going some yeah it was like because I was thinking okay well like you know an hour at whatever your marathon pace is okay that that is that's that's a kind of toughish ask but the middle miles I was a bit like oh god am I am I gonna do this yeah I might have to let the others down here hold on hasn't Uh, your three quarters of the women's world records not been seeing you doing you know speedy stuff I'm sure that's seen you in good stuff it has it has been quicker stuff but over a very short distance so kind of yeah Yeah, 400 meters 800 meters um uh so yeah so I put I put the, the female world records on hold for a week to concentrate on this sub free marathon but yeah it, it was um it was good actually it was it was a way of i guess tr- kind of creating a, a bit of a running club community without having to um yeah and the relay yeah, the relay aspect of it's quite nice because it means that as much as it's done sort of as in a light-hearted let's see what we can do way the moment you add a bit of like i've got to do this because other people are doing it with me that's quite that's quite a nice motivator to sort of have, oh, a, definitely, a, have a bit definitely. of a push yeah, yeah. Particularly if if you come up with the idea, you know, if you come up with two mates and then, and then you just sort of sack it off after like five miles. Cause it's oh, hurt. sorry, lads. Yeah, sorry, guys. Didn't it couldn't be yeah. asked. Yeah. How, well, that's how very, you been? That's yeah, I'm fine, mate. I was just going to say that's 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 very good, and we've had actually a, a lot of emails um, from some from other people taking part in the 2.6 challenge. Um, we had an email from uh, from Chloe Dattinger. I'm going to say. Detonger? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. We, yeah. we can say them anyways. Um, who said she particularly enjoyed last week's episode about the two point six challenge and thought she would share uh, her challenge with us. So, um, they've put together a team of twenty six people who are aiming to each do two hundred and two hundred and sixty two burpees every day for twenty six days, and that started on Sunday the twenty sixth. So that will be an amount of six thousand eight hundred twelve burpees per person. And a whopping 177,112 burpees overall. Wow. That's disgusting. Um, so they're doing it to support their friend uh, Juliet, who has cystic fibrosis. Um, she falls into the category of a vulnerable person during lockdown. So her and her husband have been in their flat for the last six weeks with no visibility on, on when they'll be allowed to go outside. So it's a really nice thing that they're doing, and they're 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 going to split the money between the Cystic Fibrosis Trust and the Royal Brompton Hospital. Um, and I think that that many burpees is a fine challenge. Two hundred sixty-two every day. Like, I mean, that they're, they're such a. I mean, they're a great exercise, aren't they? I guess, but they're, but there's yeah, even doing fifty, you know about it, don't you? Oh God, yeah. Oh yes. I mean, it's it, but so that's that's pretty impressive. And she says. Uh, 
keep up the great work on the podcast. So thank you very much for that. Good luck to Ben with his continuing injury, injury recovery. So thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, to Rick for his three quarter female records challenges. So that, that nice email. And on, on, you know, everyone is dying to know about the injury. Um, I'm actually doing all right. Um, <laughs> but I just thought I'd, uh, I'd update something with maybe perhaps a new regular segment to the podcast, which is things I've learned whilst in lockdown. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, lovely. Yeah, lovely. Thanks very much. Um, and what I have noticed is not being in an office and not walking around all day in shoes is that I've been I've been stomping around in my bare feet a bit more. And I think, well, I and know that this is this is ha- having some much needed foot strengthening work done, which I, I think is is a is a big benefit of lockdown. You know, getting the getting the old toes out and giving them a a bit of work. We don't have any carpet in our house. So you know, there's, there's hard floors. So I feel like that's that's good. That's got to be good for the feet. Um, I have noticed how dirty the floors are, though, which is a bit yeah, off, that's, off-putting. That's the downside, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's been good actually to sort of walk around without. I mean, you do it in the office, and you just receive scorn. So it's quite nice to to do it in that <laughs> to do it in the house, and and sort of feel like that's a bit of an extra push. But the injury is is going well, thank you, in terms of recovery oh, and stuff. That's good. Well, you know, I'm just gonna. But I think you've got an interesting point about kind of conditioning stuff, and it, it could be you know for your feet, or if if you're like me, I've got a few kind of DIY strength and conditioning stuff knocking around the house. I've, I actually found that I've probably been doing more kind of kettlebell kind of that that kind of thing yeah. uh, during lockdown than I would you know having to go out to the gym or whatever. You know, I think this is it. There's a there's a bit of a risk that you end up doing too much because you know like the the, mm. the classic challenge of. Um, someone has a puts a chin up bar in the doorway right and they 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 want they yeah. want every time they go through the door they've got to do 10 that's all well and good if you're in the house in the morning and then you go to work and then you come back and you do something if you're if you put it in the bathroom yeah. and you're in the house all day you end up doing like 500 pull-ups and, and <laughs> you either get really strong or you just like dislocate your shoulder so i think it's the same thing with like the little the little things they're kind of like you want to allow your body to sort of adapt to these sort of changes and not overload because we know absolutely we've been talking about doing more strength and conditioning at home and you absolutely should this is the chance to do it but i think uh, when we had brad on the physio a couple of weeks ago he was talking about strength and conditioning stuff it's twice a week you know if you're doing a mm. proper strength and conditioning session you need to be doing it twice a week you don't need to be doing it a daily strength and conditioning stuff mm. you can do some prehab like get the resistance bands out do some sort of engagements and firing up of the muscles and all those sorts of things. Mm. But I think that, as you say, like every single day, if you sort of like stumble across your kettlebell and you start doing like 20 reps of something straight away, you're probably yeah. just going to create more issues. So I think it's, yeah, you know, I think that's true. When I talk yeah, I about building the strength in my feet, I'm literally talking about walking around barefoot and like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, maybe standing on one leg now and again while I'm uh, mm. doing some work or those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, it's been good, I think. You know, feet feel no, good, good for it. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, should we do some pseudoscience, Ben? Love pseudoscience. Let's do it. Well, do you, do you want to do the top one and I'll do and I'll do the, the, the training one underneath it? All right. All right. Well, here, here's some here's some delicious pseudoscience for you, Rick. Oh, good. Don't be surprised if running feels harder during stressful times. OK. So the fact is, if you're at home, you've got to wash your hands all the time. You're isolated yeah. from your friends. There's a, the risk of everyone and your loved ones becoming dangerously ill. That's stress. Um, yeah. And these 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 far, past few months have uh, have been enough to move a, a Zen Buddhist to distraction. <laughs> um, so if you found that your running has 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 struggled, there's a reason behind this, and there's oh, a, right. there's a there's a new study, um, and we like studies. Um, it's in the medicine and science in sports and exercise, uh, and they found that just 45 minutes of stress can impair subsequent running performance. So if you say like you know we wake up and we're probably quite stressed all day long. It's going to take its toll on everyone's running. Um, the study had participants perform either a mentally fatiguing computer task or a relaxing documentary, followed by a time to exhaustion test on a treadmill. And the results were that following the mentally fatiguing task, the times were reduced by an average of 6% in women and 3% in men. So there you go, stress. So if you're out there, you know, you've been in isolation, you're worried about everyone, and your loved ones and the family and yourself and you're finding that running is your is your great release, but performance isn't improving. Mm. Might be something to do with the incredibly stressful world that we're all living in. Yeah, I agree. I think we can fall into the the mistake, can't we, of really separating like mind and body and thinking that you know you, you can 
you can kind of neglect one or you can neglect oh yeah you know, your, your mental health and still run well and actually that they're really kind of uh inextricably connected those two and I th- i'm sure there are other studies that that, that would prove yeah would prove it's the same yeah it's because re- it's really tough because things like stress and um all the other sleep everything kind of gets shoehorned into fatigue and it's kind of such mm. a broad you know you, you get mental fatigue and physical fatigue and it's actually i think um it's one of those things that people don't often consider too much about yeah, yeah. uh you know oh it's just running I mean, that's that's my heart and my lungs and my legs and that's all that needs to be good for me to do this well but you know yeah. actually being stressed out 100 percent will make a big difference definitely Tell you what, we, we've been around the block a bit, Ben, haven't we? We've been we've been in this game a while, you know, <laughs> and we've heard about stuff like hill training and threshold and tempo, and yeah, we, we get have. it. Yeah. Now oh, again, yeah. A, a term comes up that for me at least was kind of new, and I thought, wow, what what is that? And uh, it's an upcoming feature in, in Runners World on a, a group called the Tin. They're called the Tin Man Elite, okay. which is terrible name for a running club but they're, they're very quick so fair play to them uh, and it, they do a lot of critical velocity training or, or if you're in the know it's cv training oh my goodness um, i've never heard of this so i've I, it's all explained in the future it's, it's basically 90 percent of your vo2 max if you're like me that doesn't really mean much to you so, so in layman's terms it's it's basically a few seconds per mile faster than your 10k pace okay so well it's those, i mean a lot of people probably have watches these days that beep at them and tell mm. them their vo2 max at the end of each run so that's quite a good yeah, right. that's quite not yeah. a bad little metric to to sort of think about yeah so yeah this this group called yeah tim man and lee and um they do a lot of a lot of running at, at um critical velocity okay in their, in their schedules um and they think it's the kind of secret source to fast race time so and so here is a session ben that um uses cv running so it's basically five times a kilometer at cv pace okay so just inside uh, 10k pace uh, yep. with 200 meter uh, jog recoveries okay and then you and you do some quicker stuff at the end to do five times 200 meters starting at 5k race effort and ending at 800 meter race effort with 100 meter jog recoveries in between so that's quite tough actually that but i quite like the idea of exploring this um, CV training. It may be that lots of listeners are, are, are more familiar with that term and, and are already doing a lot of it, but it seems to be it sort of hits a sweet spot between intensity, but without um, without battering yourself. Yeah. So I think a lot of people do a lot of training at five k pace, and that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that can be quite brutal yeah. or even like mile pace. But yeah, this seems to be just slight, just slightly off it. It's, it's going to be tough, but it's kind of controlled. It sounds like quite like sort of like you know. Um... It's quite athletics driven that one. It sounds quite like a sort mm. of like a you know those who who visit the track probably do quite yes. a lot of, of that. They might not call it that. They might not call it critical velocity. They might yeah. just they might just call it normal normal fast running. But um yeah that that sounds that sounds good. I'm glad that I've learned. Yeah, every day's a school day here, Rick. So that's good. Oh, to, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's good to but pick it seems up. To be all, if you're if you're doing CV running as, as we all are now, Ben. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're looking at kind of one k reps. It's right. that kind of distance you want to you want to go for maybe about five of them uh, or you can wait work your way up uh, so yeah l- you learn something new like you say fantastic one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, well, we should probably get our guest of the week on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I think this podcast, Ben, should be about, in part, about escapism, along with the kind of 
interesting stuff about you know cv running and all the rest of it yeah uh, and in sort of hearing uh, inspiring tales of of daring do by people and uh, you remember stephen crompton who came on the podcast uh probably a couple of months ago now and oh no actually at least a couple of months ago and he had an amazing story about he was in the army uh he got thrown out of the army then he lost himself a bit to to various addictions um ended up on the street for for a short period of time mm. but um found running and just like sorted his life out amazing sort of mental strength and and became a very very good ultra runner um and before we talked to him he, he was going off and it had all been building to this great challenge which was his his race across africa yeah this is it was it was, it was yeah i mean <clears throat> it was one of those guests that um you sort of you read the preamble when you sort of you you, you sort of hear about someone and you sort mm. of want to, we want to chat to them so we get them in kind of like oh this, maybe it's an interesting tale um and his uh his frankness at which he spoke yeah on his troubles in life was one of those those moments when you go good wow like there's there's sort of uh, you kind of you you have to step outside your uh your own sort of parameters of you know oh you know this is a bit tough or oh I didn't you know that bit of life and this guy wow he was just blown blew me away in terms of like the struggles that he he'd had to go through yet yeah, he was sort of sat in front of us explaining what he wanted to go and do next I agree mate you know it puts yeah it puts him into perspective like your own um, struggles so you think if, if anyone is prepared to go and race across Africa it's someone like Stephen Compton he, he's also um, attempting to raise thousands of pounds for a charity he he funded um he founded called uh, challenge child poverty which is about supporting underprivileged kids in africa so he's, he's well trained mentally tough and he goes over there all i'm going to say ben is that he had to try and run 30 miles a day in 30 degree heat and i would say that was probably the easiest part about this challenge <laughs> i've spoken to <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's a good it's a really good tale and it's a good it's a good story about um about pressing on, I think, against kind of mounting odds, and and that's very much what um what he kind of represents, I think, as as a person and a runner. So hopefully, enjoy it. Yeah, well, I mean, you you spoke to him uh, on your own on this one, so I'm very much looking forward to catching up on 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 this. But you, you, you I have had a few spoilers off you, and I, it's a very very <laughs> funny story. So I'm, it's good, it's good stuff. Guest of the week. Could you could you could you tell us, Steve? Like you, you arrive, right? You, you arrive in in Dar es Salaam, right? Tanzania, e- the East Coast. Like, tell us about the the kind of the first few days and the first week and some of the challenges that, that sort of sprung up almost from the, from the offset. So I I remember when that, when I landed, the heat and humidity hit me straight away, and um, I I couldn't even sleep in the room. I didn't sleep the 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 night I landed. I couldn't sleep in the room. It was that hot, and I just knew this was going to be a lot harder than I had even imagined. Yeah. Um, I got out for my first three mile run the next day, and uh, I ran down down the beach from from the the hotel where we were staying, and um, I did three miles, and I I literally thought I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I I had to run into the nearest restaurant and. Uh, get like some water and I was tipping salt in it and eating pancakes and I'd only done three miles <laughs> and I'm like I'm thinking in my head well I've set myself a task to run 35 miles a day across Africa and um at that point I was questioning whether I could actually do this or not yeah yeah you know as, as the days went on it started to go three miles you know up to five and got in a few eight milers and, and a 10 miler and you know started to feel a little bit better but still struggling a lot at you know mm. the low mileage so um but uh nonetheless we only had a week I only gave myself a week to prepare um and then uh, on the 17th of uh, January we set off from Coca Beach and um I I, d- I wasn't completely acclimatized, so I thought I'm going to keep it down to about 20 miles a day to begin with. Right. Um, just not to just kill myself in the first week, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we set off from Coca Beach. It was um, a beautiful morning, absolutely lovely morning. Um, and we, we, we did 18 miles that day. And I remember it was about 33 degrees and 100% humidity. Wow. Coming out of Dar es Salaam. And... Uh, 
I was completely broken <laughs> that first day. It was 18 miles. I remember running, you know, along the busy roads and as you just got out out of Dar es Salaam, we hit these, um, they were doing the road and we had to run on just at the sides of this new tarmac road that was being laid and it was, the heat coming off of it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, exhausting. It was really, <laughs> it made it, it made it hard, really hard. But we finished that first day and uh, got, managed to get somewhere, set a tent up and um, had a rest, got up and, and you slowly start getting into it. But um it was, you know, we, we were keeping it between 20 and I think the most we did was 37 miles in that first week. But um, we did about 140 miles in, in week one. And, wow. Uh, yeah. On day seven, I hit an injury. I'd done 29 miles um, and my ankle had swollen up and my shin was um, hurting quite a lot, mm. quite a lot of pain. And uh, we just got to this um, camp um and I, I was I was worried at the stage. I didn't think that how it felt and how it looked. I didn't. I thought that was the end of the the run across Africa, and uh, it was quite worrying and disappointing. So I decided we'd just take two days rest here uh, mm. at the camp where where we had just reached, and um, just see just see if it, it would go down. And uh, during them two days, I had um, managed to. Uh, do a bit of strength training. I I didn't know actually what the what the injury was, but we just made mm. some presumptions. Spoke to a physio back in England, and uh, you know there were some things that could be bad news and some things that couldn't be bad news. But it's hard to tell what it was. So I just did some strength training and and, and went with what I, what I thought it might be, and um, yeah, did a bit of uh, conditioning, just two days rest, and then we the next day we. In my head, I'd sat there and I kind of put far too much into this. There's no way I'm giving up now. I'm still in a lot of pain. I can't. Yeah. Got, I haven't got two weeks to rest, um, and another couple of days isn't going to make a huge difference if it is um, bad mm. injury. So I decided to just start going, uh, get going again, and, and and run through the pain. Um, and it was. Uh, it, we were just coming up to our first national park then, Makumi National Park. Um, right. And I really, I was really gutted because we had, we had stopped just before the first national park, and it was something I was really looking forward to running through a national park. Um, so getting that injury just before was gutting. But um, yeah, we, I, I was, I said, there's no way I'm stopping now. We're going to run through the national park, and we'll see how we get on. And I just kept running through the pain. It, it must have been about a week, um, a week of, of quite excruciating pain, and then it just mm. all of a sudden it just sort of disappeared just went away um it's, it's amazing that isn't it like uh, how maybe in some ways that you you decide that there, there is no there is no exit of this and actually some on some level your body just kind of gets on board strange how that can happen yeah yeah i guess um yeah if it, your body's like telling you there's pain in that area for a reason but uh, mm. if you defy it i guess it has to find a way to deal with yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's um, it's just a signal between your mind and your body, right? And if you yeah, if if you're defying giving up, even with the pain, then your body's got to try and adapt, I guess. I'm interested in your support team, Steve. Like you didn't do it on your own, did you? You had, you had a small team of people yeah. helping you out. What, what was your, what was the setup? So we had um, Anna uh, supporting us on the uh, bike. So she was she would cycle nearby with right. the water and first aid kit and stuff like that. But obviously, um, running through the national park, we had to put the bike on top and, uh, Anna joined us for a, for a run now and again, but we, we would have the support vehicle right next to me running right. the national park just so I could uh, jump in if there was any, um, any lions coming up yeah. or what's going on. <laughs> and we had the, the driver and the cook in the support vehicle. Right. Um, so how easy was it to, because what was your what was your what was the next country and how easy was it to move between countries when you when you were kind of when you were doing this? So it it was my f I'd never I'd never done anything like this before and we got up to the first border Tunduma, um, that was that was absolute my worst nightmare. Um, I had <laughs> ran thirty one miles up to the border this day. Yeah. Once again, I'm I'm tired. Um, get to the border it's not it's at night time as well and um they we're just surrounded by about 100 people with wads of cash and uh, agents and 
you've got to pay this, you've got to pay this. You, we need, uh, it was, yeah, after 31 yeah. miles, you can imagine you're tired, hungry, and then you just, just <laughs> chaos around you. It's just like, uh, it, was, it was a nightmare. But um, we, we just drove through this big crowd of people, got into the office, and I said, I want to speak to somebody who's in charge here. This is just madness, like, what's going on? And we couldn't get any, um, any sense. Um, but what we did find out, which was an absolute nightmare, was that Blandina, our cook, was not going to be able to travel because her documents were out of date. Oh, right. So this, that was a massive yeah. blow. Um, and, and I was tired, worn out, and I said, right, let's just let's go. Go and find somewhere on this side. Sleep. Mm. We'll come back in the morning. Um, I, had to, I then had to figure out what I was going to do without a cook. How we were going to manage <laughs> yeah, without yeah, that. Right. So the next day we had to get Blandina to the bus station to get her back to um, Moshi in Tanzania. And we had to proceed. I said in my head, there's no way I can give up put a year of my life into planning this I'm, we're, we're gonna have to proceed we're gonna have to find a new cook that's gonna meet us in zambia we'll struggle for a few days but uh we'll keep going and um got up the next morning we got to the border and um it was stressful enough because we just lost blandina but then it became even more of a nightmare because we're, we're doing all the processing and stuff and you have to get the car um processed and and obviously they have to do checks and stuff to make sure that it's all in order and um I'm sat in the vehicle, the driver, Rashid, yeah. he's sorting all that out. I'm just sat outside, just sort of trying to figure out how I'm going to get a cook in Zambia. And um, he comes out with the person dealing with the the, the car at the time and um, he says, we've got a problem here, guys. And I says, oh, not another problem. <laughs> but I didn't even check all this. You know, this is my first sort of uh, big challenge yeah, um, like, as such doing something like this so i've never there's a lot of things to where i messed up and um never even thought to look at the logbook i just thought it would all be in order you know mm. hey he brings the logbook out he says the the engine number is different it's wrong the track it says it's a um diesel transmission when it's a petrol and it says it's a white car and it's clearly blue <laughs> and i'm like oh no i at that stage i was just like that's the end isn't it i just didn't think we were going to be able to get through that but um with some gentle persuasion we managed to... Um, to get into Zambia. We managed to get into Zambia, yeah. Um, which was uh, a massive, massive relief. It, it, there were some fees to pay, but, uh, it, we, you know, I would yeah. just I didn't care at that stage. I just wanted to get into Zambia and keep going. Um, it was a good day as well, our first day in Zambia. We, we, got, we got 40 miles in on day one of Zambia. And, oh, wow. You know, it's right. a great way to start in the, the next country, you know, and uh, get, get things flying. Um, Camping was good. We were we were being able to camp, um, just pay somebody like a, a couple of quid here and there to camp in their gardens. It was tough for the first few days because I our support cyclist Anna had to do a bit of the support cyclist and and do a bit of cooking as well. So it was quite right. a, a stress a strain on her and and the whole team actually. We we did have a few arguments, um, just through being tired and stuff in the first few few days yeah. in Zambia, but um. We uh we managed to get a get a really good uh thing in place where um we just take it in turns and and we were really smashing out the big days in Zambia. We did forty miles and but you know we weren't dropping below thirty five miles a day wow. because wow. we were being able to camp where we stopped um and and it it, it wasn't taking hours um to figure out where we were camping. You know, like in Tanzania, that was quite hard. Mm. About a week into uh, Zambia, we'd hear heard about a bit of a political unrest going on, and um, there was this story going around uh, that was spread on social media that there was a group of people uh, gassing people and and taking blood out of them for um, uh, some political sort of reason uh, to strike wow. fear into people. Anyway, this 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 caused a lot of lot of issues for us then because um from from that point onwards um we couldn't just camp in people's gardens we had a big bottle of gas in the back of the tent in the back oh, of the wow. car um okay. the people generally thought we were the people going around gassing people so it it um this story has spread to you know the, the villages and the towns and yes so yeah we'd, we'd obviously um this was the first thing we'd realized about the uh, political unrest and stuff and the stories that were going around and um I got we I was getting quite tired by this stage. We'd done uh, two hundred and twenty four miles in the first week of Zambia, and I thought, right, we'll give the we were coming up to a place called Shiwa Ngandu, um, and I thought well, it's a really nice hot springs, and we'll have a, a half a day's rest there just to get regroup and and um, and also I had I had arranged 
uh, a new cook to join us. Oh, great. Right. Uh, I, I'd been given a contact um, for a woman in, um, in Livingston that had, had sent us one of her cooks uh, that we were going to pay to work for us for, for the duration through Zambia, which was amazing because at one week, you know, we were struggling. Um, so uh, I, I said, we'll have, a, we'll have a half a day rest at Shiwa and Gandu Hot Springs, which was amazing. Um, the guy there, Mark Harvey, gave us a lot of contacts and they also treated us to a massage in the massage parlor there and stuff. A proper massage. <laughs> yeah, like actual proper massage this time. And um, yeah, it was really, really incredible. Um, we had half a day's rest and then we were meeting our new cook, Brian, at the end of the uh, the road leading off on back onto the main road, onto the T2 um, from Shiwa and Gandu. Um, and we had half a day's rest the next morning and then we were meeting him at two o'clock at the end of this road. And uh, about six miles down the road from Shiwa and Gandhi, we, we broke down. And, and I'm there just sat next to the car. There's just so many problems. Like every week there's something that I think yeah. is going to be the end of the, <laughs> the run. Because if it's a really costly thing, I'm not going to be able to carry on, right? It's um, um, with a tight budget and stuff. So mm. it took us about four hours. We managed to get um, Mark Harvey, managed to get hold of him. And he sent one of his mechanics and they managed to take out the... Uh, the stabilizers and get us back on our way but um in this time our cook who we'd not met yet brian had been waiting for four or five hours for us at the end of this yeah. and um you know we spoke about the political unrest well you know the police had seen him hanging around with his bag at the end of this road and the locals had reported him and uh, so he had been arrested by the time he got down there um, as a sort of suspected yeah. <laughs> so he's he's well he's been arrested on um suspected gasser but also um to protect him you know so right, people right, start to right. suspicion you know have suspicion about who he is and stuff like that um yeah it was <laughs> it was um so we we managed to uh speak to the the police and he, he got he got brought back to where we were um uh where we were setting off from and um yeah they once they realized what he was doing and stuff they let him go but uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> one way to uh to meet him um <laughs> It's just ama- it's just amazing. Like it's it's so much more than the run, this. Yeah, Steve, isn't it? It's like that. That's almost the least of your concerns is running thirty five miles a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? It was um, there were so many things coming up that were challenging me more than the running. Um, which yeah. you know you'll you'll see it sort of after a while it sort of grinds you down a bit. But um, by the time we had met Brian, it was uh, it was too late to start running again that day. Um, right. So I did just literally at the end of that road there was a little. Um, very low budget sort of B&B. We, we got a room there for the night and um, regrouped and that gave us time to chat as a team and, and go through how we're operating and stuff like that. Then the next day, after having that rest day and stuff, um, half a day rest day and massage, I felt I felt in good shape. So we, we, we hit 54 miles that next day, which was great. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, and sort because of, that's, that's where I want to start work up to is about 40, 45. And we hit 54 that day, which was great. Um, did 40 the next and was was really flying um 37 and a half the next after that i think i felt like we were really getting into the stride of things and um it was day 37 uh just outside the syringe that um the team we ran out of gas so the team that morning had gone to fill up the gas bottle um whilst i ran the first checkpoint which was um 15 miles to the to the first checkpoint so I'd put it in on Google Maps, mark the checkpoint for our driver, and then I'd set off and I'd meet them there. Um, and uh, it was the last two miles of, of, of my run of that morning checkpoint. They were still trying. They just rang me like not not long before saying we're, we're, having, we're having to wait for the manager to come back with uh, some fittings for the gas bottle. And I was running along and... Um, all of a sudden, I heard this like quite a lot of commotion and, and like shouting, and screaming going on in the background. I had my headphones in, but I always kept the music down enough so I could sort of hear what's going on around me. And uh, I look behind me, and I just see like kids and then women running after me. I'm used to kids running after me. That that happens all the time. Um, I didn't think too much of it first first sight, but um, it got louder and louder. And I'm looking behind me, and it's like a lot of people screaming, shouting, and they don't look very happy. And I'm like, oh god, what's going on here? And then a minute later, there there's a group of people up front, um, and they're screaming at them, and I just see them darting around like to make make their move into the road, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, I'm 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 starting to get a bit worried, 
Uh, and as I'm running up, this guy runs into the into the middle of the road, stops me, um, like grabs me and sort of pulls me to the side of the road. Got all these people stood around me screaming and shouting like, and I don't know what they're saying, but um, all I know is that I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm quite terrified at this stage. Okay. My legs are shaking a bit, but um, I'm just trying to stay calm because I've not done anything wrong here. And um, he started questioning me like, where you, you know, where, where you, where are you coming from? What are you doing? So I got my phone out and just showed them some um, videos and, and photos of the, the Run Across Africa and the charity, what we're doing. Um, thankfully, he spoke some English. That that was, a, you know, he understood. Yeah. That was, um, and and basically, these someone had alerted these people say that there was um, potential gas running through the, the village or something, you know, and um, they, they, wow. they thought that I might be, you know, one of these people that have been going around gassing people. So um, that, that was a, a really scary moment um, for me. I'd never, yeah. you know, I'd never been in a, you know, I was, my sport team are 15 miles away. I'm in the middle, yeah. and I'm in the middle of this like village in the middle of Zambia. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hundreds of miles from a, from a major city. Um, really scary but um, they let me go after about 10 minutes of questioning me and um, I'd some some guy there was getting shouted at and, and really told off um, obviously someone had said something that, that was a bit out of order but um, so I carried on running and I'm, God, I'm just like glad to be alive at this stage yeah. Um, yeah. I got to the checkpoint just sort of sat down and I was like trying to process what had just gone on um, the next few days um, were, were tough. It it had a bit of an f- effect on my um, my mind because now now that mm. I feel like a suspect running through Zambia and it was it was driving me uh, driving me into the ground a bit. Um, mm. We a um, couple of days later we had got to um, we were coming up to a place called Fringilla Fringilla Farm um, that we'd been given a contact for by um, Mark Harvey at Shiwa and Gandu. At this stage, I was quite worn out and tired because of what had been going on the last few days and uh, yeah. looking forward to uh, a rest day. We were going to have a rest day there. And um, we would, we literally, towards the end of the day, I think I'd ran 33 miles and uh, we'd stopped. I decided to call it a day. And um, as we went to drive away with a support vehicle to get to this farm so we could eat and, and get some rest, the, the car broke down again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't... Uh, the amount of stress and pressure I've been under, but you just have to try and uh, stay positive and, and and really keep keep um you know just stay hungry and positive and motivated because all these things they're trying to drag you down and actually you can get stressed about them or you can just accept them and go right how what's the solution how are we going to get over this rather than worrying about ours oh, the costs you know and the time and everything you just got to try and think about how you're going to get over it and think about the solution and, and moving forward and that eliminates the stress because if you start worrying about everything else it starts to drive you a bit mad but it was amazing when we got to Fringill Andrew Woodley um had this massive buffet dinner on for yeah. us and uh with pudding which was like cake and custard and he gave us uh, a couple of lodges to sleep in he really looked after us well so that was good the people in Zambia were amazing to be honest they they looked after us really well from from Shiwa and Gandu um Mark Harvey gave us some contacts and along the way people were really looking after us oh that's great so um so what what was the what was the next stop Steve after Zambia what what what, what was the next bo- like border well the well the Zambia as we um worked through Zambia we got to um the next border was Sesheke, which was uh, Winella border post going into Namibia. Okay, right. But um, we got to a town called Lusaka uh, just before that. And right. we, I had been told that Ugandan nationals can get through the border into Namibia um, without a visa. They can get it on entry. And it says it online as well, actually. Okay. Um, and in, in Lusaka, I had been told that our driver at the embassy, we've been told that he has to go back to Tanzania where we started in Dar es Salaam oh to get his visa. And um, yeah, I, I nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't really take it because... Um, anyway, cut a long story short, we had to pay... I had to pay 500 quid or something to get him back to um, back to Tanzania to get this um, visa whilst I paid another driver to take us forward and we had to get a police to write a document. Um, cost us a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of stress. 
Yeah. Uh, we got to the border after about a week of him travelling back to Tanzania and then meeting us just just after Livingston. And um, we got to the border that, that morning and he was refused entry and they said that he had to go back to Lusaka to get this. And, and the, the, the Namibian consulate in Lusaka really treat us like criminals and wasn't willing to help us but we were told at the border that's where he was meant to give help us out with the um yeah. with the visa and uh, it cost us so much money and time i i was ready to give up at that stage um because there was a lot of problems we were having to pay a lot of money out that i just didn't expect and uh i was ready to give up once he had um i basically i put a post out saying that was it that was the end of the run across africa right i was broken completely I was heartbroken actually because it cost so much mm. time and money. We, uh, I decided we, we got away from there um, because I was going mad with the consulate and I probably would have got arrested at the um, border post there because I was so unhappy with um, what what had happened. Yeah. And and that they couldn't help us after the Namibian consulate had really messed us up there. But um, we we mm. went away. We had some had some food and um, I just I decided. You know, no way. There's no way I'm going to give up. What's the solution to this? We're going to have mm. to find a solution. And um, so I spoke to um, another guy, uh, got another driver in, sent um, Rashid home, had to pay for him to go back to Uganda whilst we paid for another driver to take us take us the, the next leg of the, the trip. And uh, eventually we got into Namibia. And, uh, you know, that was a massive relief, got into Namibia. Um and uh, we faced uh, quite a challenging section, which was the Caprivi Strip, a two hundred kilometre stretch of national parks. And, um, right. Yeah, that was that was quite a challenging section. Um, from from a, from what perspective, like the what the, the terrain or? Um, I think I was so worn out um, mentally. I mm. was so I was really worn out um, by that stage. It was quite challenging because actually the coronavirus had, had, had hit by the time we hit Nam- uh, Namibia. I thought we finally got through the, the psychological effects of um, the political unrest in Zambia. And uh, we, we got to um, Namibia and I thought, you know, this is gonna, it's going to take a lot of the pressure off. But actually the coronavirus had just started to spread. Uh, the news of it had started to spread in yeah. Namibia. People were shouting Corona at me as I was running by and no one wanted to let us camp um, where right. we had stopped and stuff. So it was very challenging and it was starting to really have a, a, a bit of an effect on me. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess if you start to feel like it's becoming hostile, I guess, and kind of, you can you can understand it, can't you, from people are scared and they think that this is this is a disease that isn't, hasn't originated in Africa and stuff. Um, but it's sort of the last thing that, after, after this kind of journey that you've had, Steve, you kind of you, you do a little bit of luck, aren't you? At that point, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like one of you know one of the worst epidemics that's that's ever ever happened in the world. Um, sort of takes takes root. Yeah, it was um, it was really really tough. It really had a a bad um, effect on me, and uh, because but I understand I understand what was you know I didn't really understand at the time what was going on but I soon soon had to get up to date with it I spoke to the um Namibia mm. the UK crime commissioner um in Namibia I she was going to be doing a run with us in Namibia and I managed to get a uh, direct contact spoke to her um and asked what was going on and stuff and she sort of filled me in on on uh, what was or wasn't going on and um I carried I carried on running um for a couple of days but um i found myself on i think it was the 20 22nd of march or uh 23rd i was i ran about 18 miles that day and i it had got it got too much for me and um i knew that within a couple of days namibia was going to be closing their borders and i was going to be yeah. ducking in the desert potentially with a team of guys that i had to pay with a very very limited budget that was already broken um mm too much you know i had to get the team home safely they got families in zambia i didn't really yeah. i didn't know how this was going to escalate whether i was going to be stuck and whether the team were going to be safe so um i, I remember i was running 18 miles and i just I, I just broke down crying as i was running it was like i i couldn't um mm. <clears throat> the everything had just weighed me down i really wanted to finish this you know i put a year of my life into the campaign and um mm. you know a lot of money uh, to try and raise um, 75k for Amari, um, Uganda, 
and uh, yeah, I, I, it really got me down, and I, I decided to call it, call it that night, call it off, and um, get the guys home safe. It's the right decision, Steve, isn't it? I mean, I think that that's 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 the mature decision. Even like you say, once you've you invested so much time and so much money at that point, but yeah, to, to see to see the actual true priorities of like getting getting your team back. So so in the in the end, Steve, how, how close did you get to to kind of running across Africa? How you you done? A lot more than half of it, hadn't you? Or... I'd done uh, three quarters of it. I'd done um, eighteen hundred miles, and I had six hundred in front of me, and we were just about to enter the, the the beautiful desert sort of area of Namibia. Yeah, I'd done sixty-eight marathons in sixty-six days, but we had a lot of hold-ups, so it's, it's actually yeah. a bit more impressive than that. But it's well, it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable that you got that you got as far as you did. I guess what was it? Was it one country remaining? Would it be? Was it? Would it be Angola after that, or? Oh, no, no, no. From Namibia straight through the desert to the oh, right. to the west That's coast cool. to Henty Bay. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Bay. It was uh, we were in the final country, and I, I just I was on the home straight. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was tough. It was tough, and for two or three days, I felt really down about it. Mm. I felt I, I I was questioning what I'm you know why I'm doing it and what I was doing it for, and and it was a real uh, a real moment where I grew. Um, a lot from the whole challenge is <clears throat> when I decided to switch my mindset to to, to how I was going to make it, this ending work for me and, and how I was going to defy mm. the ending. And, and in my head, I said, you know, I'm just going to come back and we're going to start again and we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to smash it. As, as in, when you say it, do you, have you got ambitions to try to try to do it again or to try to do a different challenge? Well, I've, uh, I've had two weeks of resting now and I've been um, doing a bit of training and stuff. And uh, I've um, just applied to the Guinness World Records and we're going to go out and um, attempt to run the length of Africa and uh, try, and try and beat the world record of 318 days. Wow. That's, so it's, it's, that's really that's, that's incredible, Steve, because I think a lot of people might... I've had the experience that you've had, amazes I'm sure it was, but think, wow, there are there are easier continents to run through. Than <laughs> actually, my next challenge may be slightly less yeah. challenging than that. But yeah, you've, you've gone the other way. Yeah, I think for me, if you know, if, if I get defeated, um, I, I get back up stronger, and uh, I want to go one better. You know, I'm yeah. taking a step back or, or doing the same thing. I think it's important to uh, to grow strong and, and and go one better and learn from it. So. I think after what I've learned from the run across Africa, um, I've learned enough to uh, to be able to do it, and I just think it's I can do it, you know, and yeah. uh, and it'll be an even bigger campaign where we can try and at least definitely raise the money this time for the for the project and stuff. So, well, I think I think it sounds amazing. Um, if, if people want to find out a bit more about the run that you've just done, though, is there's a website, isn't there, that that has some of the information on it and the donation donating in it, etc. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, challengechildpoverty.org.uk um, under Run Across Africa. There's the uh, there's blog posts of um, there's a blog write up for every day um, that we were out there, and uh, yeah, the link and everything is is on there. And um, yeah, get involved, read read the story. We've also got a running event coming up um, next June, Conquer 24, 24 hour running event around Powderham Castle in Exeter. Great. So it's a great way to get involved. Well, I'm very much looking forward to getting you back on the podcast, Steve. In you know, in the uh, run up to the length of Africa challenge, and it honestly, if it's half a, as good a story as the run across Africa, it's gonna be it's gonna be a treat. Uh, absolutely amazing, uh, amazing adventure, I think, and uh, really remarkable that you that you got as far as you did, and that you didn't throw in the towel earlier because I think a lot of people would have. You know, seen those challenges and, and thought the whole thing was just a bit undoable, really. But it's credit to you that you uh, that you pressed on with it, and then obviously it was taken out of your hands at, at the end. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Um, I think it's 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 a great thing. I mean, all these challenges. I'm very grateful for every challenge that we had throughout the run across Africa because it's the challenges that where you get the you know the growth and and they're the, they're the they're the uh, the parts you remember. So you got to uh, you got to appreciate the challenges. Um, if it was easy, it just wouldn't be as, as rewarding. So, um, and, and, and the way it's ended is, has only made me stronger and, 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 and made me have that 
desire to go back and go one stronger and one 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 better so um i'm grateful for the way things have turned out you know um it's important to to keep that gratitude and hunger to to keep going and and never give up you know like if you've got a goal i had a goal to run across africa didn't quite work out this time but we just go one better you know and uh yeah that'd be absolutely phenomenal steve thanks so thank you so much for for telling the story about um the run across africa and very very best of luck with um your next challenge yeah thank you very much for having me on rick pleasure All right thank you steve thanks very much mate this is the runner's world podcast so there you have it ben are you going to be racing across africa next do you think um i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> get back to me on that one uh, yeah i'll get back to that brings that us to the end that brings us to the end of uh, this week's runner's world podcast uh, a big thanks to our guest steve compton and to you of course for listening uh, the Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, and every other favourite podcast app that you can think of. Just search Runners World UK. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do give us a review and remember to tune in next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.